Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Noah Grayson about customer journey mapping. Morning, Noah. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, John. Thanks for having me today. Thanks. Thanks for your time here. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe we could just start off and just tell us a little about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So uh, again, my name is Noah Grayson. I work in Centrix Indianapolis operating group. But prior to that, um, spent some time in our experience design practice, which focuses on uh, the topic of, of just that experience design and how technology and design come together to create experiences for uh, customers, for employees, for users, for patients, or, or what have you. Uh, so I found my way into customer experience via marketing research and spent some some time leading a business in uh, marketing research. And then as the industry evolved and transformed and the topic of customer experience became more prevalent and a focus for many businesses, uh, that business evolved and, and focused on customer experience consulting, which is uh, kind of how I found my way into this particular topic. But I've spent, uh, well, let's just say over 25 years now in the customer experience space. Okay. And <clears throat> experience has a really specific meaning here for you. So maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit for people who aren't totally familiar with it. So experiences, when we think about just that term or that topic, I think of experiences as points of interactions that we have with a brand or with a company and how an organization delivers that interaction, how they enable it really creates an experience for a customer, for an employee, for a patient, for a user. Thanks for that. We started this conversation because you've recently written a blog article about customer journey mapping and insurance. So can you make the connection here? Uh, how do you go from experience into customer journey mapping? Yeah, so journey mapping is a tool. Um, it, is, it is one tool in the customer experience professionals toolkit. What journey mapping is, John, is it, it's a visual representation of all the interactions, those experiences, all those interactions a company and a customer have together. The attraction to it, I think for all of those who are putting it to work, isn't necessarily the tool itself. It's all about the understanding. It's all about the insights that are gleaned through production of a, of a visual tool like a journey map. You know, for us, uh, in the customer experience profession, um, we know that our ability to meet a customer's needs most effectively is predicated by our understanding. The better we understand the customer, the better we understand the job they're trying to do, the needs that they have, uh, the more effective we'll be at designing experiences that meet those needs. And, and companies that do that really well, companies that meet those needs, have a deep understanding of those needs, meet them more effectively, they get paid a premium for it. Okay. And that really has been what I believe to be the predominant landscape for competitive advantage in marketplaces today. So price advantage or product advantage, John, it just doesn't last as long right. as it used to. Product advantages erode 
you know, not in years anymore. They erode in months, in weeks, sometimes in days. And so companies are looking for new places where they can differentiate themselves. The area they can do that most effectively is often in the experience domain, because what companies have a hard time replicating is your your design, your organizational capability, and how your people deliver experiences to its customers. That gets harder to replicate. That gap gets harder to close than traditional sources of competitive advantage like product or price. And so uh, journey mapping is a tool that's used really to begin to understand what our customers need from us. How do we design those interactions so that we are delivering a cohesive and consistent experience that allow us to create advantage in the marketplace? Yeah, well, there was that was a great summary, and I've got a million questions now because I learned so much about this. This sounds cool. So that raises a question. You're going to lay out this, this uh, journey map. Are there typically common stages in it, or is it totally customized to the situation? It is customized to the situation, and I'll explain that a little bit, but at its highest level, if you think about the life cycle that exists in a business-to-business or even business-to-consumer relationship, there there are phases of that that are very common from Mm -hmm. industry to industry. So when you think about um, the buy side of the equation, trying to acquire customers, you know, there, there are phases of that life cycle that are common. So things like creating awareness of your product or service in the marketplace, driving consideration of the, of the service or product that you offer, enabling purchase of that particular solution. And then after purchase is made, you get into the service side of the equation, which is often very common from industry to industry. So you you uh, use it, right? You use the product or service. And then there is either some form of, uh, people will call it advocacy or loyalty. You know, think about it in terms of continued use of the product, repeat purchase, if it is if it is uh, something that's purchased on a frequent basis. Those phases are pretty common from industry okay. to industry. Now, is it typically sort of a linear flow, or do you see a lot of uh, loops, branches, crisscrossing it's, lines, spaghetti it, flow? Yeah, it is. I'll tell you what, um, technology, online shopping, omni-channel experiences, meaning I can pick up in one or start in one and pick up and finish in another. It has disrupted what has traditionally been linear paths to purchase or linear paths to use of a product or service. It can happen in very non-linear forms. Like just think about shopping for a product at Lowe's. If I need a lawnmower, you know, I may look at what, go to Lowe's website, see what brands they carry, price points of those lawnmowers, but then I may bounce over and check out Home Depot's website too. Mm-hmm. And maybe then I go to Menards and see what they have to offer. And there might be a local shop here uh, that just sells lawnmowers in my neighborhood that I'll, I'll go online and see what they have to offer. Then I'll go into a store and check them out. Um, I may go to Lowe's and and check out the mower, push it around a little bit, see if I like it. And then I might go back to the Home Depot website 
and check out their price points again because I may have forgotten them. So if you think about just the purchase journey of buying a lawnmower, that that's a that can have many patterns to it, you know, which are inclusive of multiple websites I'm going to to evaluate uh, a purchase and gain some awareness of solutions that are available, as well as in-store visits. Yeah, right. and and these those don't always happen in the same sequence, and right. I may not always go to the same websites in every instance. So yeah, it it, it is very much today uh, with the advent of omni-channel experiences, it is non-linear more than right. ever. Yeah, and I think a, a key thing that you you were just touching on there is because people may go to so many different channels and you know go into different stores and it's so easy to comparison shop, a good experience, a good journey flow is so important because you want to keep, a business wants to keep the customer on their tools as long as possible. Because if you lose them off the tool, there's a good chance you you know, you've lost them. Yeah, right. exactly. And that, so, you know, that means we, you know, the better we understand how those purchases are made, uh, the patterns of behavior that exist, how people actually shop, the better we become as marketers at, at delivering the right information in the right channel at the right time. You know, it gets, it gets more and more complex. That's exponentially complex when you think about uh, all all the tools you're using today in order to even evaluate a purchase. Right, right. So one thing you said a few minutes ago that struck me, it's very interesting, is you know, you've got an experience, or you call it the, the journey map that shows how uh, customers interact with a particular company and that this is a, an area of advantage. And one of the ways that you said it touched on as an advantage is the organization underlying it maybe jumping way down the road here, but if you're working out sort of this is a, an ideal customer experience path for a client, would you also be advising organizational change if necessary to, to optimally support it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that really gets us into a different domain. It's called service design, but it is in the experience design wheelhouse, so to speak. If you think about uh, some of the principles that are driving or shaping experience design today. Uh, one of the topics that often comes up is this idea of consistency in the experience. You know, you and I like experiences that are predictable. You know, we we kind of know what we're going to get. You know, mm -hmm. we, it's consistent. There are companies out there like Costco that always rank really high on uh, syndicated evaluations of the experiences that are being delivered across a variety of industries. Like Costco's always high. I don't know if you can really say, like, do you compare the, the Costco experience to Apple? Are they one and the same <laughs> in your mind? You know, they're, right. they're different. But what, what Costco does really good is no matter what, what store, or I should say warehouse you go into, it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same every time. I know exactly what I'm going to get. They have set my expectations and they manage them uh, to be consistent with how they're going to deliver the experience. And it's the same everywhere I go. They do a really right. good job at consistently delivering their experience. So when you think about as an operator, okay, um, we need consistency in the experience. We, it, it can't 
I can't go in and buy something from you one day and have experience X, and then I go in the next day and it's totally different, it's Y. That, that is right. disruptive uh, in the customer experience world. So as an operator, I have to think about how I'm gonna enable that. And not just enable it one time, but enable it consistently. It's gotta be repeatable. And so that that brings us into a domain called service design. And service design, what it looks at and orchestrates is, is the design of the experience that we have on the front stage. You know, if you think about a play, what those in the audience see happen on the front stage. But there's a right. whole bunch behind the scenes and the backstage that happen to actually enable that, to right. make it right. work. Service design looks at the orchestration of those backstage events with what happens on the front stage. It ties the knot between the experience you get exposed to and how the organization delivers it behind the scenes. And so uh, service design, and there are tools out there called service blueprints that really design how an organization uses people, process, technology, and data to deliver that experience for the customer and to do that in a repeatable fashion, in a consistent fashion. Service design is, let's call it uh, phase two of journey mapping. You know, okay. if, if journey mapping is, hey, how do we optimally design and deliver the front stage, service design or service blueprinting says, okay, how are we gonna enable that? What are the tools that we need to actually make that happen? Uh, and how do we connect them together in order to deliver it in a way that's beneficial to the customer and effective for our business? Okay, so when you go to a client and say, hey, I hear you're, you know, you've gone through, you've described your, your problems to me, and I'd like to use customer journey mapping to help you on this. What sort of pushback do you usually get? You know, luckily for me, uh, when, when I get called into to a situation, there's been some light shed on the fact that it's needed, right? Okay. I mean, the client <laughs> acknowledges, hey, I have a deficiency in the experience, or usually it's not even a deficiency in the experience, um, John. Sometimes it's a business problem. Like I'm not retaining enough right. customers or I can't get repeat purchase in the way that I ideally want to, or I'm having trouble acquiring customers, you know, and I believe there's something dysfunct in the experience that I'm delivering. I need to figure that out. So we come in and we'll, we'll pull out, you know, we'll walk in with our toolbox and journey mapping is going to be one of those tools where we, that we use to start to isolate where the pain points in that experience reside. But it is the visualization, really what's happening behind the scenes are deep research and insights. We're doing mm -hmm. uh, qualitative and quantitative research to really understand what's happening from the customer's perspective and, and where the pain resides, where, where the friction resides. And so we'll, we'll come in and we'll use the toolkit to uh, you know, in journey mapping, being being a, a regular tool we go to to diagnose those things and visualize it for them. We want to tell a story about where it's breaking down. Now, where you'll you'll run into some uh, pushback is if there are some widely held beliefs in an organization, and we come in and we change that paradigm because of something we uncover through our through, through the assessment or research and insights process, 
then that can be difficult. Now, the other thing is uh, sometimes everybody believes they can do journey mapping. It's a picture, mm-hmm. right? Everybody believes they already know what they need to know in order to do it. And oftentimes what will happen is those, those are developed really from the inside out versus the outside in. They will use all those beliefs that they have and hold strongly around what the experience is today and never validate that with actual customer input. And, so do, you know, you some, use foc- do you like to use focus groups of customers we, or We will interviews? use focus groups, yeah, one-on-one in-depth interviews take a variety of forms, um, but it is it is really important that journey maps are developed uh, from the outside in. So using outside perspective, it's awesome. a must. So how does customer journey mapping compare to maybe other tools that might aim generally in the same direction? You know, or yeah. to put it another way, when would you use customer journey mapping versus some other tool? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, and in, in we kind of talked about this a little bit. It's one tool in the toolkit. There are other things mm-hmm. we use in order to uh, gain a deeper understanding of customers, their needs, and you know, there's there's tools like personas. So we will develop personas, which are a representative profile of. Uh, let's just we're, we're on the topic of customers, so we'll just say of a customer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, persona can be valuable when you're trying to understand things like what's motivating somebody to make a decision uh, that they do or to to use a product or a service that they do. There are other tools like uh, frameworks like jobs to be done. You know, an individual might be using a product or service to enable them to do their job. What what job are they trying to do? When we think about and we understand the job they're trying to do, sometimes that opens our eyes to new solutions, new ways in which we can help them do that job more effectively as experienced designers. So we'll dip into that tool. And this, this is the only thing you can you can use the journey map to do, but it, it'll focus on uh, what the customer is thinking, doing, and feeling. Other tools like personas, as I had mentioned, will focus on motivations. There's uh, archetypes. Archetypes focus on uh, not just who I am today, but uh, who I want to be in the future. Um, you know, we're in a new year, new time. New Year's resolutions are commonplace, and people are buying <laughs> yep. Pelotons galore, and you know, and now trying to get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> now trying to get rid of them. I, I saw and... my local Goodwill says they won't accept any used exercise equipment. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it, in, in a powerful exercise motivator for those who have proclaimed that as part of the New, Year, New Year's resolution, isn't who I am today, it's the future me. Right, right. right. That's why those exercise videos, it's not guys like me working out, it's the future me that's right. working out right. those videos, right? <laughs> so understanding who people are, what motivates them to make decisions they make, uh, which won't always be represented in a journey map, but might be a tool we leverage something like personas to understand more deeply. We always start with understanding. We need to understand the current situation or we need to understand these customers deeply so that we can design the right solutions moving forward. Right. I feel like we've been talking at a five to 10,000 foot level. So how do we connect that to actual like user experience in a design tool? 
Yeah, we can we can use them as a direct channel. What a journey map will tell us is, okay, where can we or where do we need to digitally enable certain points of interaction? Okay, so it, it paints the strategic story for us around where technology can be used. Once we identify how we might uh, enable the experience, then we get into specific design. So let's say I want to design an application that allows somebody to purchase online. You know, we, at that point, we're going to say, look, we need to digitally enable this part of the purchase journey. We need to do it in this way. And then that will launch a digital design and build project where we're, yeah. we go out and we start designing what every step of that online purchase experience, what every screen should contain. Once we design that and we have a team in ex in the centric experience design practice uh, that does just this, John, they build high fidelity mockups, pro clickable prototypes that show somebody exactly how that online purchase experience would work. Uh, we get buy-in on that and then we go into development and build, you know, either uh, using an application and technology that may exist or building something from scratch. You know, that's that's kind of how we bridge that gap between journey mapping into specific technology design and build projects. So the, <laughs> the journey map is the strategy, shows us where we need to use it. And then we, we take that, we, you know, we get buy-in from the client that yes, you know, we want to do that. That's uh, an important part of our experience we're trying to deliver. Then we go off and we design that particular point of interaction. Okay, great. Uh, can you take can you take through maybe one of your favorite projects, your favorite experiences doing this with a client? Yeah, well, there, there's a lot. You know, having been through this for 25 plus years now, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of stories that come to mind. Um, I, maybe my favorite story is always my current story. Oh, good. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> fresh in your mind. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're engaged with the client right now, uh, life and annuity uh, carrier. So in insurance business, they're in the midst of a digital transformation. And they're looking at transformation, not just from the outside, but also from the inside. So how do they uh, enable their associates, their colleagues to work more efficiently and more effectively? Uh, but then also, how do they digitally enable the customer experience or even the intermediaries that are involved, their advisors and agents who uh, represent their solutions in the marketplace? How do they enable that experience to be more effective? And so to also design how operationally they're going to execute to deliver that experience. And so we're, we're taking both an external view around what the agent wants, what the advisor wants, uh, in addition to the end customer, the policy owner. Uh, but then we're also thinking about it from the inside. Okay, how do we enable our colleagues uh, to deliver that more effectively? And how can we automate some of the more tedious work that's done so that we can allow them to focus on higher value activities. So we're, we're just getting through uh, the design portion of that particular uh, transformation that we're helping them lead and moving into building. You know, I like the really big strategic initiatives where companies really are prepared and at a point where they're, they're able to reimagine 
the future, not only the experience, but how they actually do their work. So the, those are those are really fun and exciting to me. Cool. Those are those are the things books are written about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so you know, we've taken gone through a lot of things about what the work is, how you do that. Pretty much the beginning, you said this is one of the differentiating factors. How are you going to measure and say the customer experience, the journey map that we're, we followed, that had this impact on your business? How do you how do you do that? Yeah, so it starts uh, the the process. These projects start with the outcome in mind. So, okay, uh, and usually a big transformation project like this is driven from executives, and those executives have certain business outcomes they're trying to achieve. So you have to identify those up front. Okay, what is what does success look like? What are we mm-hmm. we trying to drive? repeat purchase, we try to increase second sale of additional products, what, what, what is the outcome we're looking to drive, or maybe it's cost reduction in some, in some instances. So you have to identify those outcomes from the get-go, and then we are designing with those outcomes in mind, right? So if, okay. if we know cost reduction is the focal point to the outcome they're trying to drive, then, then we're trying to drive efficiency. Uh, in the process. If it is uh, increase in second sale, then we might focus on how we deliver um, new product information or you know to a to a to an advisor, to an end customer at the right point in time when they're probably most inclined to consider purchase of a, of, of another mm-hmm. solution. So you have to start with the outcomes in mind, define those in a very measurable form. And then as you begin to uh, design and build that new way of doing business, you are measuring specifically to those outcomes. Experience design, I think, is best executed in, a, in an experimental fashion. Okay, so uh, you may design uh, a particular point of interaction one way, let's, let's say design A, and then we have design B. We need to test mm-hmm. those things. Sometimes you don't really know which one is going to be more more uh, uh, more readily adopted, which which is going to deliver the better experience until you experiment, you test them. Got it. And so you test and see. You may you may run A/B testing to see which one leads to a more effective outcome that's aligned with that business outcome you're trying to achieve. So as you as the process and build unfolds. You have to do that in an experimental way to to decipher exactly what return you can expect to get from a couple of different alternatives, let's say. You know, measurement has to happen throughout the entire process, but it it really has to be the start. Right. You have to know what you're driving towards. All right. (laughs) Any uh, final message to leave our uh, listeners with of, you know, whether it's the excitement of it, what it can do for you, anything you'd want to uh, wrap up with? Yeah, sure. I would say there's not a lot of undergraduate programs focused on customer experience. Um, you don't produce customer experience professionals like you do accountants, lawyers, doctors. <laughs> yeah, right. There is no professional degree that you can obtain in this particular profession. So no matter what, how you come to it, how you find your, your way to customer experience, it doesn't really matter. I think what what's important is is that we begin to think about and, and operate 
uh, from the outside in. So we think about what our customers need, we think about what they want, we think about what their motivations are, and we begin to make decisions with those factors in mind. And again, it's not just customers, it's employees, it's patients, mm -hmm. it's users. When we think about things from their perspective, which is what journey mapping helps us do, we make smarter decisions. We enable things in a way that might meet their needs more effectively. And if it's, if it's about creating customer loyalty, if it's about gaining repeat purchase, if it's about creating customers for life, when we think about things from their perspective more effectively, I think our chances of solving for them in a better way uh, only increase, they only get better. So don't be worried about uh, whether or not you've, you've done this for years or if you haven't. Everybody coming into this field likely hasn't done it before, right? When you, on day, it's not like we right. went to school to learn how to do it. I really believe the experience is the frontier and source for competitive advantage for a lot of businesses. Uh, and a lot of businesses are beginning to realize that. Um, so it's a good time to enter the space. It's a good time uh, to learn about some of these tools and begin to put them to work. All right, great. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Noah Grayson for joining me today, and thank you for listening.